Hello and welcome to Witch Wine. I'm Shelby. And I'm Desiree. We're drinking a lot today. We are drinking a lot today. So I'm going to get us started real quick. Um, if you don't want to hear any updates, skip forward like, I don't know, a minute, whatever. So my first update is Callie, the 10-year-old girl that I talked about um, a few episodes ago. There have been no updates so far in her case. Uh, the oh. two teenage girls, I know they were supposed to have a court hearing, and I thought that was supposed to be, like, a week ago, um, but I haven't seen anything, so. That's annoying. Yeah. So, still keeping my eyes out for that. And then, Brittany's lawyer, Matthew Rosengard, um, he's requested that the original court hearing to remove Brittany's dad from the conservatorship um, to be moved sooner than September 29th, um, and then... If not to have it, the court date moved sooner to just have her dad, like, temporarily suspended from her conservatorship um, until that court date happens. So, still waiting to see what the court says about that, but her fucking lawyer, he's only been her lawyer for, like, I don't know, two, three weeks now, and he's done a shit ton more than anybody else. Um, And then our last thing, this is not an update... But we just want to shout out one of our best friends, Anna. Shout out to Anna. Um, we fucking love you. You are our biggest supporter, and we appreciate you so much. Yeah. The fact that you tag us every time you listen to our episodes. You listen to every single episode. Um, you have your boyfriend listening to our episodes. <laughs> like, we fucking adore you. I appreciated you texting me the other day. That was awesome. So, because of that, we we're going to take a shot. It's fucking noon. <laughs> But we are taking a shot of whiskey for Anna. So Hell cheers yeah. to Anna. Oof. <laughs> okay, now that we have updates, shout outs out of the way, we're going to be doing true crime today. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go to first? You can go first. Okay, so. Also, I'd like to point out that I'm on my like third mimosa. I think Shelby's on her third mimosa. Just took a shot. Yep. And we just took sips of <laughs> a beer. So Happy fucking weekend. Happy fucking Saturday. So if you're listening to this and you you're better not, catch up. You're not working or driving, <laughs> fucking start catching up. Pull over and drink. <laughs> um, okay. So my story is going to be the story of Shelly Notech. And I'm doing this true crime story because I just read this book and I the book was so fucked up that I finished it at probably like nine o'clock at night and I had to have a palate cleanser like I started like a happy-go-lucky book right after because I was so fucking messed up from this book um so the book is called if you tell by Greg Olson and If you like true crime, I highly suggest you go read this book because he does interviews with every single family member. Um, The way that the book is laid out, you get like the history of Shelley's childhood um, and it's just like in chronological order. And it also gives accounts of like her kids. So what I'm going to be telling you today is just a very condensed version of that. But like I said, this fucking story, I have never heard another podcast talk about this. Um, And yeah, it's just stuck in my head. 
So, Shelly, um, her dad took her full-time, her and her two brothers, when they were kids because their mom decided they didn't want her anymore. So, later on when I talk about the girl's grandma, I'm talking about Shelly's stepmother. Um, so, Shelly was a spoiled girl. All through growing up, she manipulated her little brothers, she manipulated her dad, and she got real pissed off when she couldn't manipulate her stepmom. Damn. She would go to the ends of the earth to get what she wanted, including attempting to get her father in trouble by crying rape when she didn't get her way. And to be clear here, he did not rape her. Her father gave her literally everything she wanted. So she led a very chaotic life. She ended up having three dollars, $3, three daughters who all suffered at the hands of her abuse. All three of her daughters had different fathers. Um, so they're all a few years apart. None of her daughters have the same dad, but they're all related. They're all like half siblings. Um, her oldest daughter, Nikki, suffered the worst of it. Shelly married her third husband, David, in 1987. Her first daughter, Nikki, was 12, and Sammy, her second, was 9. And then David and Shelly had another daughter, Tori, in 1989. Shelby... Shelby. Hi. I'm part of the case. Yikes. Shelly claimed the entirety of her marriage to David that she had cancer even going so far as having him take her to the facility for chemo and leaving him there while he waited in the car. Nobody knows what she did inside. She would go into these buildings for like seven, eight hours and leave him sitting in the car. Holy shit. In 1988, they took in their nephew, 13-year-old Shane, who had... His parents were just like fucked up, basically. Um, So they took him in. And then later that same year, they took in Shelly's close friend and hairdresser, Kathy Lorena. Um, let's see. So Shelly forced Kathy to abandon her family and distance herself entirely. Like, she even went as far as writing letters in similar handwriting to Kathy to her family to her family to further just like reinstate um shelly would force her husband to work an insane amount of hours to fund her crazy shopping habits like he straight up had a tent in his car that he would sleep in on his job sites and he just wouldn't come home he would oh my god like he would work 60 plus hours a week and he was working like an hour away or something Um, for, like, a higher-paying job just because she, like, told him to. Um, So, Shelly would take out personal loans just to go shopping and spend money. Like, it would disappear if she didn't spend it. Like, she was in an insane amount of debt to the point where she would tell David, you need to send me your your paycheck early. She would write letters to, like, the electric companies and stuff to be like, I need an extension, like, one of my kids got sick or whatever, and she was just out, like, buying random bullshit. 
Um, she would slap and abuse her husband until he became passive and he would do whatever she asked. Shelly would force her kids, typically Nikki and Shane, because at this point Shane had been living with them, um, to do the most. Uh, she would make them stand outside in freezing temperatures naked. She would make them strip down and spray them with water, just like in the dirt, just spray them with water until they were frozen. And she called this wallowing. She would stand over her girls' beds and hold a pillow over their faces until they woke up. Oh my god. She would beat them and keep things such as using the bathroom away from them. They would have to ask permission to use the bathroom. And if they used the bathroom and she saw, she would beat them even more. At one point, she even made Nikki and Shane, who are cousins, strip down naked and dance together in the living room. For some reason, Shelly just had this weird obsession with nudity. She would make everyone do everything naked. It was really weird. Um... So, while no abuse is ever called for, the girls recall most of the time that they were being beaten and abused, like, they don't know what they did. She would just randomly lose her shit and start beating the shit out of them. What the fuck? Um, Shelly, at one point, had one of the girls, I can't remember if it was Nikki or Sammy, those are the two oldest, um... She had them strip down for her naked and told her to cut a piece out, cut a piece of her pubic hair off for her quote-unquote baby book. Oh. And being terrified, they did it. And when they went to hand it to Shelly, she laughed and made fun of them. Um, Shelly would do things like lock the kids into the chicken coop or make them sleep outside. Like, there were times that Sammy remembers... Her, she and her like high school boyfriend would be just hanging out and she would come home a little later than she was supposed to. And her boyfriend would, because he knew what was going on at home, he would sit out there and honk his horn until Shelly would let Sammy into the house. And then as soon as he drove off, she would kick, Shel- kick Sammy out and make her sleep outside. Um, Sammy would always wear pants and long sleeves in order to hide the bruises from her mother. And she once shoved Nikki headfirst through a pane of glass and then told her it was, it was her fault. And look what you made me do. Um, with all of the abusive behavior, Shelly would tend to her kids' wounds at home so they wouldn't ever be seen at a hospital. Like, there were times where, I want to say, Nikki and Shane both had really bad injuries to the point where like they wouldn't stop bleeding and they knew that they should have been at the hospital and Shelly wouldn't take them. So when Shelly's friend Kathy first moved in, she was treated wonderfully and she did everything she could to make Shelly happy. Like she kind of was just like a like a housekeeper and she would help with the kids. Um, but then Shelly started taking things away from Kathy, whether it was her personal possessions, clothing, Um, She started making Kathy be completely nude at home while doing chores, took away her bathroom privileges. She would make her ride in the trunk of the car whenever they went anywhere. So whether that was to, like, the grocery store 
or at one point they went on a family vacation to go camping and she had a ride in the trunk of the car the entire time. Kathy was starved and forced prescription sedatives that would just make her completely out of it. And she was forced to sleep next to the boiler in the basement that was leaking. So like leaking gas fumes. After six years of torture and beatings, Kathy died. So Kathy died at the hands of Shelly over these six years of abuse. Shelly and her husband, David, burned Kathy's body because they used to just burn their trash. So it wasn't that unusual for people to be burning things. Um, And she burned her belongings as well using accelerants. After they did this, Shelly made all of the kids say, oh yeah, she just ran away with her new boyfriend, Rocky. And she would scream at them until they repeated the story to her liking. And this is when she really used um, Nikki having similar handwriting to Kathy. She would have Nikki write letters to Kathy's family. And David would take the letters to like, I don't know if it was another state or county, and mail them from there. So it looked like she was in different places. Um, so Shelly, being the type of person she was, she took pictures of Kathy while all of this was happening. So she had photos of Kathy beaten, Kathy dying, Kathy dead. And Shane found these pictures and he took them. And he showed Nikki and because Nikki was so scared of her mom, she tattled on him. Oh god. And even to this day, Nikki still like does not forgive herself for telling Shelly about these pictures. So Shelly made David kill Shane. So this is now the second murder in this household. Um, in 1995, David shot Shane in the back of the head, burned his body, and scattered the ashes in the ocean. When this happened, Shelley told all of the girls that Shane had run away and moved to Alaska to be a fisherman. And it shocked the girls because anytime somebody tried running away, because Shane and Kathy had both attempted to run away numerous times, Um, they would go drive around in the car for hours searching for them until they brought them back home. But this time, Shelly did nothing. She would like half-heartedly be like, oh yeah, David's out searching for him. Because they just, they knew what happened. So sometime after this, Nikki ended up leaving the family home. Um, She got jobs elsewhere. At one point, she even ended up living in the tent with David by his job site while she worked elsewhere just because she couldn't go back home. Like, she couldn't live there. Um, I think she actually ended up having, like, a physical altercation with her mom. Like, she realized, I can fucking hit you back. And her mom didn't like that. And her mom tried turning her sisters against her, which, with her youngest sister, um, because I think Nikki was, like, 15 or something when Tori was born the youngest so they have quite a huge age difference she was able to make Tori think that Nikki was just like this terrible human being um so Nikki cut off contact with all of her family except for Sammy but they had to keep it a secret 
um, their mom couldn't know that Sammy was still speaking to Nikki. So Sammy also ended up leaving the abusive home to go to college and try to start her own life. She had a, the same boyfriend from high school. They were on again, off again for a long time. Um, and she would work just random jobs while going to college. And she still kept in contact with Tori and with Nikki, even though that relationship nobody could know about. Um, in 1999, Shelley's gay friend ron woodworth who had just gotten out of a serious relationship moved in with him oh god he was 50 at the time tori grew extremely close to him but just like with kathy um shelly was great at first and then slowly started stripping him of his possessions and livelihood she went as far as helping take care of his really sick mother to put a wedge in between him and his family So she was taking care of Ron at home and then would go over and help Ron's mom, but then like make up lies about like all the shit that Ron was doing and how terrible he was and blah, blah, blah. My God. (laughs) Yeah. This bitch. Um, She would drug him with sedatives, just like she did with Kathy, beat him, give him endless tasks to do outside. So they lived on like a kind of ranch like property. Um, so she would just have him go outside and do like meaningless tasks constantly. Um, at this point, because their family was in so much debt, Shelly ended up having to get a job. And so she got a job doing like welfare checks and Beautiful. like something that where she's supposed to like help others. And it got to the point where all these other people that she was supposed to be helping were complaining about her and saying she never even came by she never did this she never did that and so she ended up getting fired and so she would get ron to go harass her former workplace and the employees um in 2003 ron died he was covered with burns and bruises and because his body couldn't be burned like kathy's was um, he was just buried in the backyard, like, somewhat close. Did he die because of her? Yes. Okay. Um, I, I want to say, I can't remember exactly what happened to Ron. I think just because I was, like, so fucking just, like, taken aback. It's quite a lot to take. It's <laughs> quite a lot to take. Yeah. Um, so... Tori, being the smart person she was, I believe she was 14 when this happened. Um, She found his possessions, and she hid them. I think it was in the chicken coop for the cops to find. Um, And then after a visit with her sister, Sammy, like she went and stayed the weekend with Sammy, and seeing her sister, Nikki... um, She told them about the abuse that she was facing at home. And they had no idea that this was happening because being in such an abusive household, they're trained to not talk to anybody else about this. Like, you're going to get even more beaten if you talk to anybody about this. So she finally admitted to it. And so that's when both sisters were like, we can't let this keep continuing. And at this point, when she's visiting... Um, Sammy and Nikki, Ron was still alive at this point, at least she thought. 
Um, so Nikki contacted the police, and finally Sammy gave her input because I want to say a few years prior, Nikki tried reaching out to the police, and they kind of just, like, brushed over her, um, talking about, like, Kathy's disappearance. And then once Sammy realized that Tori was being abused, then Sammy was like, okay, I'm going to get involved too. So when Tori went home, she realized Ron wasn't there. And that's when she found his possessions and, like, hid them in the chicken coop. And then the cops, I think, showed up, like, the next day after she got back from this weekend with her sisters. And their grandma, um, Shelly's stepmother, this entire time has been involved, like, trying to see the girls and contact the girls. And I think Nikki ended up living with her a few years after she had moved out and then um sammy ended up moving in with her too so yeah wowza Uh, (laughs) so it was like a day or two later after tori returned home from visiting her sisters both david and shelly were arrested david was released from prison after 13 years in 20, 2016, Jesus, for second degree murder. Shelly is due to be released from prison next year. Absolutely not. Absolutely. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Absolutely not. She's due to be released next year in 2022 after serving 19 years in prison for second degree murder and manslaughter. And this is why her daughters are speaking out about it so much. Because they're like, it doesn't matter if she was in prison, if she's been mulling things over, whatever. They were like, our mom tortured and beat people for her amusement. She killed people for her amusement. And she doesn't feel guilt. So she will do this again. Ugh. So that is the story of Shelly Notech and the people that suffered at the hands of her. And like I said, I got most of my information from If You Tell by Greg Olson. There's one more website that I'll have linked um, that just gave me like the dates of stuff. (laughs) I'm so uncomfortable right now. (laughs) Do you understand now why I needed Uh. a fucking palate cleanser? I literally read this book and I like put it down and I was like, like I I think I had to work the next day but I was like I need to read something that's not gonna like kill me and when I first read this book I was like oh like it's just like a a serial killer or whatever I didn't realize it was a true story I had no idea until I was like a few chapters in so and it makes me feel bad because these poor girls suffered at the hands of their mother for their entire life I can't imagine. That's, ugh. So everyone take a drink. Yeah, that's unsettling. (laughs) And then Shelby's going to get us started with her story once she takes a drink. I'm taking another drink. (laughs) A minor chug, if you will. Yeah. Mine's not as intense. (laughs) So, little palate cleanser. Except not really. Um... Mine's the O.J. Simpson trial, which I'm sure everyone fucking knows about. But um, 
it boils my fucking blood. I already have so many conspiracy theories and opinions, but I'm ready um, for it. I do too. And I didn't like recently come like get conspiracy theories about it until like recently because I started seeing a bunch of stuff on TikTok about it. Yeah. Um, but I kind of remember like as a kid like hearing about it because it was like so popular. I think I was just like sheltered as a kid because I never heard anything about serial killers for a while. Um, and then I got I got invested somewhat recently, a couple years ago, because there was a Netflix series about it. Um, but anyways, so on the morning of June 13th, 1994, the bodies of Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman were found at Nicole's apartment in Brentwood, Los Angeles. The police began to investigate her ex-husband, O.J. Simpson, a former NFL star, for the murders. On June 17th, an arrest warrant was issued, prompting uh, Simpson to lead the police on the famous low-speed chase in his white Ford Bronco before eventually being arrested. More than 95 million people watched this on live TV, creating a high level of interest at the very beginning. Um, So when O.J. got the phone call about his ex-wife's unexpected death, his first question was, who killed her? Like, it wasn't like, oh, what happened? It was just, who killed her? Mm-hmm. Not a good start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a good start. Um, July 8th, 1994, um, the preliminary hearing, which uh, the court is the court hearing that determines whether there is enough evidence for a person to be tried for the crime or crimes charged, um, concludes, and the judge rules that there is enough evidence to uh, proceed for a trial. On October 3rd, 1995, um, the verdict found him not guilty. Uh, He was released from jail after spending 16 months waiting for a verdict. Although he was found not guilty, a civil suit was filed against Simpson, and he was ordered to pay $33.5 million to the family of the Browns and the Goldmans. Um, So the evidence that was presented during the trial uh, was messy to say the least um although a bloody fingerprint was found at the gates of the home it was never collected or processed um this was not the only mistake in the evidence collection process Uh, multiple pieces of evidence were placed into the same bag rather than individual bags what yeah um contaminating any evidence collected uh, generally, when there's pictures taken during the crime scene collection, um, a well-known object like a dollar bill or a ruler is used to provide a scale. Um, none of that was used during the photography taken at the, uh, at the crime. Uh, items that were not properly cataloged and evidence that were uh, bagged were still wet, um, so that kind of ruined the evidence. A blanket that was taken from the home to cover the Brown's body contaminated all the evidence that was found on the body. Uh, Finally, the police and crime scene technicians improperly walked around the crime scene and dragged blood all over the place. What the fuck? Yeah. This is in L.A., right? Yes. Fucking LAPD. Every story I've heard about them, they're fucking trash. Yeah. And then there was, like, the whole... Um glove thing where the glove was not uh, mm-hmm. stored properly so it supposedly shrank so when he tried it on it like was very iffy 
Um, so even though the most evidence that was collected during the crime scene pointed to OJ being guilty, it wasn't actually able to be used. And then one of the officers that were uh, first arrived on the crime scene was heard to be using a lot of racial slurs. So that also um, fucked up the investigation. So he was never found guilty, but in September of 2007, he wrote his own book called, If I Did It. (laughs) (laughs) Sir. (laughs) Which was about if he actually committed the crime. (laughs) Why would you do that to yourself? Like, I didn't do it, wink, wink, but if I... <laughs> I know, but if I did, here's what it would have been Here's how like. I would have done it. <laughs> like... Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know. At least he didn't write that beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, wrote it during the trial. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put it past him. Um, so most people believe that OJ really did commit the crime, and he did murder um, Nicole and her friend but kind of rumored boyfriend um but recently at least recently that i've seen there's a lot of people talking about if oj's son actually did it okay that's the conspiracy theory that like i've heard and like i kind of believe yeah like i was so like dead set on i was like no it's clearly this motherfucker yeah douche writing a book about it they got in like a huge fight beforehand and then it was supposed to be like somebody's birthday dinner um, and whenever they got back, I want to say is whenever, like, she got murdered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Jason Simpson had a kind of rocky relationship with his mother, Nicole Brown. Um, so by the time the murders of Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman took place, Jason was struggling with mental health issues and had a rather large criminal record. Um, police reports indicate that Jason was arrested at least four times prior to the murders, which include a DUI, driving with a suspended license, and most notably, assault with a de- deadly weapon. Um, Jason had violently attacked one of his girlfriends with a knife, almost killing her, and had led an assault um, on his stepmother, which was almost deadly as well. Um, was Nicole his actual mom? I believe so. I'll look it up while you keep going. Um, Jason Jason possessed a knife that concluded that the butt of the knife matches the injuries that Nicole suffered at the time um, on top of her head. He had previously been trained on hand-to-hand combat. And OJ, on the other hand, was known to hate the sight of blood. Um, Jason has no alibi the LAPD determined that the murders took place between 9.45 p.m. and 10.05 p.m. After 9.50 p.m., Jason was alone and had no alibi, and no one could um, testify to his whereabouts. At the restaurant where he had worked, Jason had a time card for the night of June 12th, which was handwritten, even though the electronic time clock was working perfectly fine, which means his alibi could be false. Um, I want to say Nicole was his stepmom because his actual mom, that's not her name. So. Okay. Um, so that's that. Um, 
I got a lot of information from the BuzzFeed Unsolved video, and then there is a special on Netflix. I believe it's called the O.J. Simpson Trial, but it's one of Ryan Murphy's true uh, true crime shows, starring Sarah Paulson and um, Marsha Clark. I believe her name is, which is the I want to say lawyer, uh, but she's one of the people that actually really worked on the O.J. Simpson trial. She was a huge part of the making of the show. So it's it's pretty accurate, and it hmm. gets pretty brutal. But yeah, that was very, very good and informational. Yeah, the conspiracy theories that I've heard is that his son did it, and then in order to kind of tamper with the crime scene, that's why O.J. went on his slow-speed chase. Yeah, that's what I heard, too. Yeah. So I don't know what to believe, because... It's been so long since I read into that case, but I can't remember why he was mad at Nicole. It was, like, something to do with, like, being invited to, like, the birthday dinner or whatever. I don't remember. But um, I I just don't think he had enough incentive to murder his ex-wife. I mean, the whole thing was just really fucking weird. It's weird. Like, during the trial... um the jurors actually went on a tour in the house. Ooh. Yeah. And then they were, like, they were isolated for, like, a long time during the trial because they didn't want any of the media to, like, influence them. Right. So, like, it was, like, it was just, like, a crazy long case. How weird. Like, were they even, like, I know, like, Marsha Clark even got, like, attacked on her, like, personal life and even like her looks just to like tamper with the case yeah it was insane jesus christ yeah i don't know how i feel like that case is very similar in my mind to the john benet ramsey case Hmm. where like i don't know how to feel about it like i'm not saying like the circumstances are similar i'm just saying like both those cases when i hear stuff about them i'm like "Mm, there's not one direction really that i'm like Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I was, like, dead set on OJ doing it, because I was like, there's so much fucking evidence against him. Like, he was kind of, like, really smug and weird during the trial, and then it was, like, just clearly him. And then, like, recently in the past, like, couple months, I've had, like, a lot of TikToks being like, oh, like, what's your, like, weird conspiracy theory that you stand by? And everyone's like, the OJ son actually did did it. And I was like, no. And then, like, every TikTok I saw, I was like, well, yeah actually you'll be making some good points yeah like that's the only reason i'm like i wish i could just go to heaven or whatever is the equivalent to heaven and like talk to these people who've been murdered and be like who fucking murdered you i would almost almost not truly but almost consider using a ouija board for that just wait for your christmas present (laughs) no i don't fucking return it I don't know if you can return it. There's a proper way of, like, getting rid of a Ouija board. I'll look it up. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, the O.J. Simpson case will always be kind of, like, I don't know. Because he did so many things that made you question the integrity of what he's talking about. But then you look at, like, his son or any other circumstances, and it's like, well, it could be, like, this other person. So. Yeah. I don't know. Anything that has to involve a celebrity, there's so many people that it could be. 
So many people. I was literally talking to Ryan today about um, Marilyn Monroe. Oh, my God. Yeah. And how I think the Kennedys killed her. And Princess Diana. Yeah. That's a given. (laughs) That's a given. There's no question here. And then I was talking about, I want to say there's conspiracies about how Elvis was killed by the government. Um, oh, I feel like that's, that sounds familiar. I couldn't give like any like details or anything, but yeah. that sounds Like Elvis familiar. isn't one of the people that I've like looked into, but I definitely will. Because um, my grandma fucking loved Elvis. Loved him. And I remember hearing, oh yeah, he died like on his toilet and he overdosed. And I'm like... Didn't Marilyn Monroe overdose? And she didn't even do drugs. I want to say that there was something similar to that with Brittany Murphy. Yes. I was literally just thinking about her. (laughs) Yeah. We should do a conspiracy, like a celebrity conspiracy episode next. Oh my God. Yes. And we'll just talk about like Brittany Murphy and Princess Diana and Marilyn Monroe because the government did it. The government did it. (laughs) But anything else? No, but everyone should check out that Netflix series with yeah. Sarah Paulson because it was actually it was really really good. Yeah, and if you enjoy reading or listening to audiobooks, I highly suggest If You Tell by Greg Olson. Um, all of the book, like the entirety of it, he did interviews with David. He did interviews with all of the girls. Um, he did interviews, I think, with any like extended family members that he could. So it's all firsthand accounts from these girls' perspective. Ugh. So, highly suggest reading that. It is not an easy read, and I mean that in a, like a... It wasn't an easy summary to listen to, <laughs> so I can't imagine fucking reading it. So, just keep that in mind. Like, if you can't get past abuse or anything like that, like, the entire story reminded me, I don't know if you've read this, but the book A Child Called It... Mm-mm. Um, the author of it, I don't know who it is off the top of my head. Um, but it's his story as a child of him being abused and having to drink bleach and et cetera. It kind of reminded me of that Netflix one that I watched about oh, that little boy. Mm. I can't remember his Gabriel name. Gabriel Fernandez. Yeah. Where it was just abuse yeah. for no fucking reason. Yeah. Like not yeah um if you read a child called it and the i think he had two more books after that detailing the abuse that happened in his life um if you were able to stomach that then you'll be able to stomach this book if you haven't read those and you haven't really read anything that's detailing the extent to the abuse i wouldn't suggest reading this like a lot of the reviews for the book People were like, this went into disgusting detail and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but these girls had to live this. Yeah. So you don't get to fucking say that. Like, not everybody wants to read that, and that's totally fine. But don't read this book expecting it to be like sunshine and rainbows. So. But that will conclude this episode, our true crime episode there's any true crime cases you want to hear about let us know we'll research it i'll read a book comment who you think killed nicole brown and ron goldman do you think it was oj or was it jason or somebody else i don't know who else it would be but it could be somebody else 
It could be. I think there was like a third one. I think there was a third one too, but I don't remember. I don't remember either, but I'm about 80% certain that BuzzFeed Unsolved included the third person. Hmm. It's been a while since I watched that episode. I usually just rewatch the Supernatural ones, but Hmm. they did a good job covering it as well. Yeah. And if you happen to read If You Tell by Greg Olson, uh, let me know. And let me know if there's any true crime cases that are somewhat similar so that we can cover them. Because we want to cover cases that people don't know about. So We do, even though I picked the, like, the most known one ones. One of the most known ones, yeah. But follow us on Instagram. It is witchwine underscore. And, and everyone take a shot. Everyone take a shot. And also give a shout out to our friend Anna. Um, you'll love see her. us reposting some of her stories sometimes and just send her some love because we fucking love her. Everyone so. go check out her new haircut. She looks so fucking good. Oh my God. I don't think she posted that picture though. God so. damn it, Anna. Post that picture. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>